Welcome to the Four Jack Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season five of the Four Jack Podcast, powered by our friends over at Galvin Green. Galvin Green is the number one technical golf apparel brand preferred on every professional tour. They're famous for designing high-tech, elevated golf apparel for every golfer, male or female, to feel invincible under all conditions. Head over to galvingreen.com to get your apparel game dialed in for the 2023 season. A massive thank you to our community that continues to support and share in our success as we rapidly approach season six. You can expect more untold stories, more amazing achievements, and a deeper dive into how golf truly impacts, connects, and is celebrated by many. This is going to be a really fun episode tonight. We are venturing into the world of superstardom. But before we say hello to tonight's special guest, we're going to travel down to warmer climates and check in with the AGM, Mr. Derek Lane. What's happening in SoCal today? Hi, Parksy. Perfect day down here again. Uh, I see we're in the Big Loud. Shout out to Big Loud. We just uh, I just got back from the Morgan Hardy SoFi experience. Austin and Paul were in town, got to play golf with them. Uh, uh, it was good to see Hardy. Uh, dude's a rock star, man. I know uh, he, he's got a groomer now. He's got a hairstylist. He's got a makeup artist. He's He's got everything. I mean, this guy came out and I was like, I told Paul, I said, your crush is no longer Jake Owen. It's Hardy. Hardy's <laughs> got this flowing stuff in the wind, playing stadiums now. Had to leave immediately afterwards because he had to get on a private jet to head back. So we're now in the company of big friends, right? And we're going to have a big interview tonight, speaking of private jets and going all over the world and playing with DJ Khaled and all this shit. But you know me better than any. I don't like a lot of golf professionals, and most of them don't like me, but this is one of my favorites. He's one of the good ones. I've been in this section since 01, and this guy has been exemplary since the time I first met him. But more importantly, he is a wonderful brand ambassador for what I do for a living. So I appreciate that, and the way he's carried himself through all of this, we're going to get him post Emmys, post DJ Khaled. We're going to try and ask a few questions that haven't been asked in the nine billion interviews this guy's done since, but... (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now with that tan on his face, as we were just discussing off air, not a lot of invoicing, not a lot of tagging of merchandise, not a lot of sweater folding. You know, he's been bequeathing that to the majority of his team. So I'm sure he's going to give his assistants and all of those people at Arroyo Tribuco a huge shout out as they're well-deserved. But we all know that you can't be the king without an amazing court. So I'm anxious to hear some good things. I've got a couple of questions and, you know, I'm actually anxious. I might get reposted from the SCPGA for the first time in my life because Ooh. I'm actually talking to Michael Block. So we're going to see how bad I burn bridges. We'll see this one if this one goes out or not. So I love it. Well, without further ado, the Four Jack podcast is, and I don't even know if extremely excited captures the energy surrounding this man's name in the golf stratosphere at the moment. I believe that our guest is touching everything right now, aside from an OnlyFans account. He's been a fixture in the PGA SoCal section for some time, bursting onto the world stage and into our hearts at the 2023 PGA Championship, and will continue to live on every golf highlight reel for the foreseeable future. You know him as Blocky. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Michael Block. How's it going, guys? How are we doing today? What's up, dude? How you doing? Uh, Chris, all good, buddy. Uh, thanks for having me on, and good to see Derek. I uh, haven't seen you for a while, my friend, and... Uh... I apologize. I've been off the radar a little bit. That's okay. I know I'm going to see you next week as uh, we'll get into it a little later, but one of the young blocks will be at my facility for a few days, hopefully four days and, and making a huge impact like his father's done in the game here in the last couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. I got to say like to start this off, man, you are really taking advantage of the spotlight right now. Can we expect the Michael block sexy car wash calendar to release soon? Or I mean, what's, what are you not doing right now that we're not going to see on socials? You know, I'm just, I'm just going with the flow, to be honest, like I normally do. I'm just going where, you know, with, with good people and good places and uh, enjoying the ride that I'm on. It's a ride that I probably don't deserve what I've gotten out of it, um, but I'm going to go with it. And I think I'm helping grow in the game, which is cool. And, uh, you know, I, my kids like me a little more than they did a couple months ago, which is cool. And my <laughs> wife, my wife even, I think likes me a little more. So, uh it's been good, you know, nothing negative, really, you know, I mean, of course, I make a couple stupid comments here and there, but I guess who doesn't, so uh, hopefully I don't make too many today. It's one of those situations where now you're under a microscope, so every time you fart, everyone's going to know about it, right, so I mean, you, you, you can't help that, but it is what it is, and I love the, the philosophy, you know, just going to roll with it, 
I'm going to start this one off on a low point because last week I wanted to express my disappointment for the ESPYs. I mean, how how could you not have walked away with that award? I mean, that's got to be overall the experience has got to be pretty cool, but a little bit of a disappointment walking out of there empty head. Yeah, I'm not lying. I thought I won that. Um, I think we I, all did. Honestly, yeah, so we. <laughs> I, I think we all did. Anybody that says differently. I don't think they're really honestly telling the truth because there's nothing that captivated the world. And I mean, the world like that did. And so I, I think you're a hundred percent right. I, I think everybody was stunned. And I think had you been somebody that probably had been a little bit more tour credit or one of the bullshit things that they're looking for, I think that'd have been a no brainer. But I think again, because everything was different, I was loving that you got to actually announce and actually present and do all the other things. But I don't think you're alone in thinking that uh, I think we were all pretty stunned. You didn't. Yeah, so they had me out on Monday to do kind of a precursor thing, uh, walk up, and I guess they showed it on ESPN or whatever. But um, uh, when I went out there, they had all the names and the photos where you're going to be sitting. And I saw Jefferson sitting right there in the front row, right in the middle between, you know, uh, I think it was Mahomes and and somebody else. And uh, I'm like, yeah, no, he's 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 winning. I, I watched the Oscars and the ESPYs enough in my life to know what was going to happen. And I was about seven rows up on the corner, whatever. But I was just happy to be there. Um, you know, the SPs was an unbelievable event. I was able to take seven of my friends to it. Uh, had an absolute blast. Killer time from the moment we left in the limo, heading all the way to L.A. to that night and the after parties. And it was a great experience. And even though I didn't win, it is what it is. It's, it's all good. You know, it's still a PGA professional is out there at the ESPYs, um on stage and uh, getting, you know, showing that play and whatever else. And I really wanted to, to win it. And, and thank the 29,000 pros out there um, just because I know that's a rare thing that I don't know could uh, possibly happen again. Yeah, it's kind of, it's heartbreaking for sure. And, and uh, as a former professional, and obviously Derek can attest to this, we don't get a lot of love, right? I mean, overall, it's kind of one of those overlooked sort of resources at the club. It's just a nece necessary evil, I guess, but would have been a really cool thing. Either way, I mean, you were nominated. You're on that stage. You're recognized with an amazing group of athletes and talents. So big pat on the back from us at the Forge Act Thank for you. sure. Thanks. You touched on it a little bit earlier. You said your kids started to like you a little bit more. Are you the cool dad? Are you getting a lot of action at the house now? What's going on with that? Yeah. Um, you all of a sudden they're like, hey, dad, they're at the dinner table. And they're like, oh, dad, would you uh, would you post me? Would you uh, <laughs> would you uh, tag me? Would you tag me on this? Would you uh, post this video? Because like all of a sudden when I, when I post them or something, they gain like a thousand followers right now. So it's like, <laughs> they're really enjoying that part of it right now. Mainly, mainly Dylan, my oldest one, my youngest one doesn't really care that much about it. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely a, a couple uh, nuts is cooler in their eyes, which, you know, as a dad and as a, an older dad getting older and older, it's uh, cool to see your uh, 16 and 18 year old look up to you. Yeah, it's pretty dope. I, I got to say the post in the back of the Maybach, riding the bridge in Miami like that was just absolutely ridiculous talk us through that oh man I'll tell you what yeah Cal had made that happen um my goal going there was just even being like a uber going over that bridge and have that song playing you know um into the night and uh uh college goes bro he goes tomorrow just take the Maybach all day it's just like convertible model there's only three in the world it's like a 1.5 million dollar car and he gave me one of his drivers for the day. Um, so my son and I are, are driving around and we had gone to the, the party the night before the tournament. And I didn't know, I don't know Miami. It's the first time I'd ever been there. But we're just driving and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get this shot. There's no way. And we're driving. On, now we're going to this bridge. And I'm like, oh, okay, here's a bridge. And I looked over my left. There's, there's no lights. There's no buildings, nothing. So I'm like kind of bummed. And all of a sudden, Dylan goes, dad, over there. And I look the other way and there's the buildings. And I'm like, oh, let's go. And. I got that shot and, you know, that really, I know a lot of people probably were absolutely clueless to that shot, you know, probably everyone um, under the age of 40, but uh, <laughs> You're I, not I, didn't, I didn't care, man. That shot meant a lot to me and I, I'm such a Tubbs and Crockett guy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. It definitely resonated. It was pretty cool. And the music in the background, I mean, that's just stuff dreams are made of. Talk us through the event. How was hanging out with DJ Khaled? Let's go golfing. Talk us through. He is an absolute energy. Um, he has so much energy. Uh, it's not fake that he's not, he's not doing that. It's, that's not a fake thing. He absolutely 
just is nonstop. Let's go. Let's go. And I can see why he's just, let's go golfing. Let's go do this. Let's go kill it. Let's go make a song. Let's go open a store. Let's, he always wants to go do something. Right. And for him to really get into the sport and, um, is crazy. And, and all, all the different people that were there, uh, in Miami that flew in for Khaled, um, whether it was on the movie stars or the, uh, the athletes or the influencers or whoever it was, everyone was there and the vibe was so cool. And then you got Serena Williams showing up, you got Diddy showing up. I mean, the amount of celebs there was insane. And it was this weird conglomerate of then some tour pros and then the random PGA guy like me, but there was also, uh, Ken, the, uh, director of golf from the Grove, he was there too, which is cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was an awesome experience and I was paired with Bubba. And Bubba was great. We had a great time. That's dope. I, I can imagine that you were getting questioned for a lot of tips, tricks, that kind of stuff, right? Nice to not be there parking carts, scrubbing hooks, but actually oh. be on the golf course with those guys. Yeah, the PJ staff there was amazing. Um, they were so accommodating. It was, uh, we went out there two days earlier, play, played that practice round with them. I hole out literally on the first hole of the of the day yeah. of practice round and Cal is jumping in my arms and and I'm just going like this. I'm in my head. I'm just going this, this, this life right now, all of a sudden really turned hard. It's like, you know, I, I lived like, like a normal, like the most normal PGA, well, not the most normal, but pretty close to a PGA professional's life. And um, it got absolutely insane ever since uh, that weekend at Oak Hill. Has this changed a little bit since days in the desert, maybe beers at the beer hunter or the, uh, oh, you, the you local watering hole? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm a, de I'm a desert guy too. I, I had the, uh, great opportunity to spend some time with the quarry when Derek was there. So did some caddying down there and uh, definitely got into my fair share of trouble at the river and, and other said places we won't mention today, but I mean, man, that that's a pretty humble beginning to, to the world stage now. Well, I think we were, uh, we might've been hanging out together without even knowing it. Um, Good yeah, no, those were a couple of my, <laughs> yeah. What about Costas, man, over at Desert Springs Marriott? All right, you, you're in, you're in that vibe. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Yeah, you guys are showing me to be a little older now, so like I'm not enjoying this conversation at all. As you Come guys on. were just young bucks and trying to get three margaritas and Armandos while I'm sitting here trying to take care of all the fuckers that I got to bring you guys home at night. So little different world of which we're living in. So God bless you. And by the way, it had to be crazy in Florida. Messi goes to to Inter Miami. College at the Grove and Blocky's the third biggest Instagram person in Florida last week. Like that's how big this has gotten, right? Like it's actually press wise. And as you said, starting from the desert, now we're living in the Orange County where everything's different. It really does at some point. And you taught, you talked a little bit about both of your sons. I can't, you know, like for somebody who doesn't have children, we've talked about this a lot, Parksy, like sometimes you and I don't really understand the dad thing, right? Like, but it has got to be almost more fun to be the dad of these two kids, having them hang around. And I know your boys have been with you and, and Al and a lot of these guys have been hanging out, right? But to know that you get to come home and see two kids who are both going to be phenomenal players in their own right. You've spent a lot of time investing in them. You've given both of them the freedom to hit it as long as they want and they'll figure it out later. You've been very upfront about having the opportunity of, and obviously both of them will probably either turn professional or play you know, somewhere collegiately. It has to be an amazing feeling as a father to jump in and just kind of go through this from not only just from Oak Hill, but as you said, holding out in, a, in this unbelievable celebrity status or being at the ESPYs or, you know, obviously shooting footage for, for Ultra and, and just having Raising Canes be part of like, you're not talking about, you know, the local Lupe's taco shop and, you know, the local <laughs> quick, you know, the quick lube and fill. I mean, you're talking about international brands that have partnered with you. Like, I'm just trying to think if my dad came home and I kind of played the game he played and I kind of understood it. I don't know if I would ever not just be like, hey, can I wake up at 530 and just sit outside the door and wherever you go, I'm just going to try and follow. <laughs> like, it's got to be just unbelievable to have that bond with kids. Well, uh, it's I, that's I love it. Um, so a big thing for me was more of the humbling experiences I've had in the past of all the missed cuts I've had sure. that I had the kids there. So I made like four to my first eight when they were very, very young. I made those cuts. But then between events nine and 24 or five, I missed all those cuts. Sure. And so taking your family across the country or even just to San Diego renting a house or going out to the desert renting a place for the American Express, whatever it might be, 
you go out there and you shoot bad numbers, you shoot big numbers and you go home to these kids and they were like looking up to dad and hoping dad was going to do great, hoping dad was going to make the cut. And then I'm coming home, you know, not happy about it. Hey guys, we're going home tomorrow. I'm, you know, we're not hanging out all weekend when you know, I missed the cut, you know? Um, so we've had a lot of these experiences where it wasn't like Oak Hill by, you know, it was the exact opposite. You know, I was very, you know, proud of what happened at Oak Hill, but I was also very not proud of what, how I played, a lot in the past in tour events. I mean, I played okay, you know, in these uh, club professional events, but as soon as I'd get to a tour event, my, my kids are like, dad, what's wrong with you? You don't shoot 76, <laughs> 78. Golf. You just shoot 82. <laughs> um, and so that was very humbling to me um, and has been a big goal of mine to get to what happened to it at Oak Hill. And finally, everything just came together. The driving, the pairings, the the wedges, the putting was on fire, you know, my, I had luck, uh, a whole bunch of great things, but finally I was able to come back to the house or come, you know, and be like, and my boys are like, Oh my gosh, dad. Um, and for that one experience, it really took care of all the other 20 that I was a failure. Um, so it was huge for me to finally have that under my belt. And especially now that my boys are golf lovers, golf addicts, huge in the golf. Um, that means even more to me. Um, so yeah, uh, it's Derek, that's a huge thing. And thanks for saying that. Um, so that's why I was really emotional, like that whole thing, you know, and that whole thing that happened to colonial, I didn't play well and all that stuff that was happening there. And, uh, how, how could you though, man? Like, dude, you probably hadn't had three minutes without a camera in your face or somebody like poking at you. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I only, <laughs> I, I got one practice round in. I'd never seen the course in my life. And even the day before I was doing, I think I did 30 interviews and I didn't touch a golf club until 4 p.m. on the Wednesday before. I didn't even play the day before. Um, yeah, it was that and Canadian Open. I only played one practice round there because I was doing a off-property uh, deal for RBC on Tuesday and I didn't even get in until Monday. So yeah, it's it's been a crazy thing. I love doing nine holes twice on each side, being four days early. I, I'll tell you a funny story. The first event, I a little off topic, but the first event I ever played in in my life was the 07 U.S. Open at Oakmont. And I went out there. I got there Friday night. I met Bob Ford in the golf shop Saturday morning. Members were still playing. And he goes, do you want to go play? I'm like, absolutely. I was so pumped up. I went and played 18 holes Saturday, 18 Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, 18 holes every single day, five days, practice before practicing till dark after I was so pumped up never knew if I was ever going to be at anything like that ever again in my life but I had no legs I was dead um and I learned after that one event to you know to really just kind of take it easy and, and do that from that point forward well Parksy was talking you know when we were getting ready for this interview and, and as a golf professional myself there are different levels right there are players we all can play at some point in our lives we've all done something we did what we need to do to be here but there hasn't been a lot of what I'm going to call world-class golf professionals. There's been a lot of world-class professionals in their field, but not essentially players. So you obviously mentioned the superstar and, and the Mount Rushmore, the, the Sphinx of all people in 40. But then you're talking Kessner and obviously the controversial Omar Uresti obviously has some some detractors and protractors on each side, depending on how you are as a golf professional. Um <laughs> that that's that's a different story for a different podcast because uh, yeah there too but like you get this and so you know when i was telling parksy obviously we know you are a world-class player and you've had this this thing for a long time and you've bordered as you said 20 plus major pga excuse me pga or majors you've done a lot of things so it's that really gray territory that only seven eight nine ten golf professionals have ever really bordered on saying, do I look forward to the senior tour? Do I look forward to being now calling the champions, of course? Do I look forward to competing more? How do the people that at the club treat me? What is my local thought process? Where do I go from here? So like, you've got this kind of what I like to call professional Pandora's box, because you've got to really look internally and say, hey, do I want to ride this? And obviously you've done a great job and you've got, and it's like I told Parksy a couple of weeks ago before we booked you the first time. And I said, you'll understand quickly that everything is perspective, right? The one thing you'll know about Michael is he's either in or he's out and he's never going to bullshit either way. You will know, or you will know he's not interested. It's it's just, he's got a different level. And obviously I'm a big fan of Ryan Smock as well, who's played very well in our section. There's always great players, but 
everybody forgets every year when we qualify to try and play in the national players championship, you're exempt. So everybody forgets there's one extra spot. Everybody forgets all of the things you've accomplished because most of us just kind of take it for granted. I mean, honestly, we've just watched this for 15, 20 years now. But when you really think about the player aspect of it, there aren't a lot of you that have walked the line you're walking. And as you said, you understand now how to prep for a major. There aren't many golf professionals that are literally going to go out on a limb and say, I know how to do that or how to travel or how to save stamina or what to travel with or who the entourage is and what you want to do, you know, between all these people. Like you don't realize the love of these guys have their own chefs, the way they prepare themselves, the way they're in the gym. Well, you don't have that luxury because you're still doing a full-time job while all of this is happening. So let's peel back a couple of those layers. Me personally, I'm interested in this side of it. Let's talk about the sponsors all of the people that were packing the bar. Let's talk about the members and the people that facilitated your facility, the people that have supported you. Let's get into what it's like to live in that world where you're straddling a lot of lines, still being a career-oriented person, still being all this. Because let's be honest, everybody's talked about the hole-in-one. Everybody's talked about all this stuff. You're, you're ad nauseum. You don't have to go on that. I want to kind of go into a little bit of I want people to walk away from this podcast going, not only is he great for the game, he's a great human, and here's why. Let's get into that a little bit, if you don't mind. <laughs> well, I'll try to. <laughs> uh, I mean, me me as a, a golf professional, one thing that I always want to make sure I was going to do is I was going to come to a golf course, right? And so I started out as the ninth assistant at the Lakes Country Club in Palm Desert. And there was this list. Mike Clifford, the director of golf, who's still there, had this, you know, everyone's name was up there. And I was the ninth one down, you know, big and bright at the bottom. And I'm just, and then he had this also this wall of head professionals and um with their with their pictures on them right and so all of his assistants that have turned head pros he's got that head pro wall too which i thought was really cool but i just made this goal where i just i'm gonna work my way up this ladder and then after five five and a half years i was at the top of that ladder and i loved it out there the members there were amazing i still go out there every year for an exhibition match it's myself and the ladies club champion versus the best pro that year out there at the lakes again and his partner is the men's club champion and we go out there and a couple hundred people come out in their golf carts and we play 18 holes really cool thing we do a lot of fun um fast forward i've been here at a royal Tribuco golf club for now almost 19 years and i've been i've had the same general manager and director of golf here for the entire time matt donovan and jeff cram um jeff cram's a pga professional certified and everything under the sun Matt Donovan has a family that runs a whole bunch of courses, owns Western Hills and stuff like that. Um, plain and simply, without those two, there's no way I'd be sitting here doing what I'm doing. No chance in God's green earth. Um, so I've been very fortunate in that. Now, one of the big things that I always try to tell professionals, because I've, I've had more pros than I can count come in here and sit here, whether they're on the Corn Ferry Tour, XPGA, um, head pros, what, whatever they were, and they're coming like, how do I be, how do I do what you're doing? How do I, how do I become that playing pro guy, head pro thing? And I go, well, I put my clubs away for eight years. I put them away. I, I did not play golf for eight years. So if you're okay with putting your clubs away in your mid twenties until you're about 30 and build a club, build a wonderful team around you, your assistants, your teaching pros, your outside service, your starters, your marshals, everybody. Um, that's what's now going to set you up to have a great job. There is no great job you're just thrown into. That doesn't exist. You know, Daryl Kessner, like you're talking about, or Ford or yourself, you've created that job yourself based on hard work. It's not something that was a great job before you were there. Um, and just because, you know, Bob Ford has a great job. Now, if I went there to Seminole or Oakmont, that doesn't mean I'm going to do a great job and have a great job at it. You know, uh, I might not have the support from the members that Bob did or Daryl Kessner did. Um, so that's a huge thing to me is, I hate it when people think that you just, it, oh, you've got a great job. So if Michael left and just went on tour, that if I had, if I was a head pro to Roy Tribuco Golf Club, it's, I'm going to have the same thing he's got. I'm like, yeah, put, put your clubs away. And I tell everyone, um, don't skip around a lot between golf courses is a huge thing for me. Um, find a great place. Find people that support you in what you like to do, whether that's teaching, whether that's you merchandising and running a great golf shop or you're playing, or you're like me, and I love to do all of it. I don't, I, I don't want to just play. I don't want to just do invoices all day. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to just teach. I, I don't know how people just teach all day. I don't even know how they do it. Um, so me, myself, I just tried to make sure I had this job 
that I love to come to. And if you love to come to your job and you love your job, you're going to do a good job at it. Um, and I, I've been fortunate, like I said, to have a great team of assistants and bosses around me that have enabled me to also play in all the tournaments that I can. Now, at the same time, they trust me in the manner where I'm not going to leave here. I'm not going to leave them hanging. I'm going to do my job. I do payroll. I've done payroll on in major championships on tee boxes. You know, I've done, uh, I've done, I just did the, uh, <laughs> what did I do? I did inventory in the front of a car with my wife on FaceTime last month because I was out of town playing. And I forget, I think I was in Canada or wherever I was, but I was, I was doing FaceTime with her from pictures that I was being sent for, for my, for my inventory. I mean, it's been crazy, right? But whatever it is, I just want to make sure that everyone trusts me that I know that I play a lot better when my life's in a good place. Right. And I think that goes with everybody. So I know if my family's in a good place, my job's in a good place, that hole's going to look big. And that's the most important thing to me. Yeah. It frees you up a little bit, I guess. And, and, and it's important to, to sort of reiterate that this isn't a free ride. Like you didn't just step on the stage and all of a sudden it's, we're all good here. I'm going to play great. Like this is a grind, right? I mean, you've been at it for a very long time. You played in 20 plus PGA events. You've been, you know, a staple in the SoCal PGA section and, and you've worked your way up, like you said. So people need to understand that you didn't, you didn't come out here with, you know, a silver or a gold spoon in your, in your mouth and, and just ride this wave. So this is, this is well-deserved. And you said epic failures in the past and it was a little disappointing, but maybe it was just stored energy. I mean, the opportunity to, to embrace this with your family now at their age where it's cool for dad to be playing well, instead of, you know, two and three years old, where maybe it doesn't resonate and you're living the life, but they, they can't appreciate it. So it's kind of, it's kind of unique that you can all celebrate it together and, you know, enjoy the spoils at the same time. Very, very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's, it's been a, it's been a big thing. And I mean, just a quick thing on it is, is what I've learned from those events back in the day. I learned actually my swing a lot more. I, one of the most important things I think about the swing is do you have a swing that works on the driving range, but you go to the golf course, like a lot of amateurs and a lot of maybe some club pros too, that, you know, wow, on the driving range, it's unbelievable, but they go on the course and the ball's hooking 15 yards. <laughs> Same thing happens. You know, for me, my game was always pretty darn good up until a PGA tour event. I was fine in the national championship for club professionals. As soon as I saw the lights and, and I'll never forget when you're in a tour event and you've been to a tour event, you always can hear the uh, the the balloon up up there. It's always buzzing. It's buzzing all the time, and it just has this different. It resonates different. And now my body starts to act how other people do, where I start to get more underneath. I start, you know, I'm pretty handsy to begin with, and I'm I get stuck a lot. And so just in the last couple of years, I've been working really hard on making a a swing around what will work in a tour of it, um, and not just as a club professional. Um, and then I started seeing results pretty immediately um, last year at Southern Hills. In my Friday round, I shot 73 in some tough conditions. And then I shot a 65 uh, to be in like seventh place at the American Express this year in the first round. And that's where I was like, okay, the swing is holding up under the those high levels, right? And then I didn't know, I didn't, I had no idea it was going to hold up at Oak Hill at a major. And I, and, and I thought for sure I was going to fail miserably when it came to Saturday or Sunday. I was just waiting for the implosion to happen and it didn't happen until colonial thank god how, how do you replicate the pressure like what maybe you can give us a little insight in the secret sauce for our audience what can they sort of use to emulate that on the driving range or, or in a in a round with their buddies is it playing for a lot of cash is it getting absolutely wasted and then just being under adrenaline on the golf course or what, what's the secret sauce spicy food, maybe. <laughs> well, no huge thing for me was playing with tour pros, um, playing with tour pros, uh, for money, um, is huge playing for money in general is huge. Yeah. Uh, playing for what you're uncomfortable is huge. I mean, I'm not, I'm not advocating to go out and play for money. That's going to affect your family or your life or anything like that, but it needs to be uncomfortable. It can't be, you know, $2 here and there. And it, you could care less if you win or lose. It's got to be something where it's like, that's a little bit of a pain that I think I need to go to the ATM in the golf shop right now because I lost X amount of money. And, and, and it might be that pain where it's like, man, if I had to tell my wife I lost that much, she'd be pretty pissed. Um, you know, so that's what I enjoy doing on my days off is I've got a couple of guys that are pros and I go get after it with them and I love it. And I hate to lose and I hate losing money. It's amazing. I'm sure you guys have gambled before where it's like, Man, if you win 200 bucks, 
it feels so much worse losing $200, right? It's crazy, right? So I hate losing more than I enjoy winning, but man, I hate losing money. And so that always inspired me. And I think that's helped me a lot on, uh, in these PGA tour events. But, but Parksy also, I don't know if you've heard, and, and one of the things I want to circle back a little bit, because we, we kind of glossed over it. He said work five different times. So he worked his way up at the lakes. He put his clubs away. He worked on being at Arroyo Tribuco for 19 years. He worked on his golf game, right? So one of the things I think that's the hardest, and, and Michael, you can agree or disagree, but as we get more and more assistance, they all want to be localized. They all want to be specialized. They all want certain things they want to do. They don't want to learn at all. Well, most of us at our age, I'm 50, you start in the cart barn, you work your way up. There was a process. You know, I started at carts at Torrey Pines and now I'm doing the same thing now. I left the director of golf job and, and gave it to Blair. And now I'm in the general manager position, learning under the current general manager as he starts to think about retirement. And it's like, now it's, it's the same thing. You try and text me, Parksy, I'm never available. I'm, I'm busy. I got shit to do. I don't know anything about back of the house kitchen staffing. Like if you really want to be what you want to be in the PGA ranks, and this is one of the things I wanted to touch about is you heard him say something that's very important to me. Stop skipping around and chasing jobs. And I think if you ask me what's the most important facet of being something, right? So like I remember when it was revolutionary that that Bob Ford could be at two major golf courses in the world and be able to do that. Well, he had to have an amazing assistant crew at both that could continue the processes when he wasn't there, Right. So now you're living in this world and you see how professionals travel and you see that we're constantly trying to give new things and we're trying to take our members on trips and we're pushing envelopes and that might be a snowmobile trip in the winter or what, what adds value to what you do and bring something different to your club than anything else. Like a perfect example, big Canyon going to be redoing their golf golf course soon. Right. So, so their director of golf already calling me, what can I do? How can I fulfill things? What can we staff things with? What did you do during this time? Right. So there's this great association with being in the PGA that if you truly want to go after and make a difference, you can do it in a copious amounts of ways. There's a lot of great golf pros that don't touch golf clubs, right? There's guys that, that can play and it's natural. Then there's guys that work at it. And there's all these different byproducts of what it is you are professionally. But the one thing we are in charge of is every single thing about my job. The one thing that doesn't change is the majority of the people that work underneath me are from 21 to 30. And that's the viable option of what they're going to do, right? So how do you affect their life? How do you teach them to have credit card debt and get rid of it? How do you teach them to get their, their mortgage rates down? What do you tell them about life so that when they leave, and as you said, when Mike Clifford has that head professional wall, and I have a, a similar thing, but it's, in, it's on my computer and I've got this kind of program that I send out. But it's like, I'm more proud of an assistant who became a state farm owner and dealer and is making a great living with the great kids. And he's living in the middle of Iowa, just as much as I am as the guy that's running Naperville in Chicago or the guy running Olympic in San Francisco, right? Like you touch people differently. And I think one of the things that Michael does best, and I think you really captured this, is I believe in the last 90 days, you've really shown the world that we're far more than players, sweater folders and go-getters or, or people that just do things like what we do in Parksy, you were in the business for a long time as well. It, it's so different. It's not at all what it used to be. I mean, we're far more concierges than we are old school golf pros. And I think it's an amazing thing that the world is now seeing that dynamically you can still play at a high level. You can still have fun. You can laugh at yourself. You were dead on what you said if you were as long about Rory, but the world's never going to get that because <laughs> they don't think in those capacities, right? That's not how they're thinking. They're thinking, oh, look at this guy. He makes one hole and he does this and now he's just everything. It's like yeah. they don't understand that's 40 plus years of work put into something that makes something come out of it. And I think the thing that we loved the most about the Magic Carpet Ride is there's so many of us that felt, I don't want to say honored, but I'm going to tell you that we felt a lot of what we've done sweating and like you said, we've all had to teach full days. Don't know anybody does it. Shout out to everybody that's an instructor for eight, nine, 10 hours a day. I think you're ludicrous and crazy. I don't know how you <laughs> sleep at night. I couldn't do it, especially now in the era of texts and lockers and videos. But I think there's a huge part of us professionally and a huge part that aren't golf professionals that are just golfers. We've all wanted that ride, right? And God bless somebody finally took it. And I think you killed it. And not because I know you, but because... You enjoyed every damn minute of it. And if somebody was watching you in an interview or on social media or in a golf tournament, there was never a club throw 
or a backwards comp or backwards kind of you know shitty Comments. compliment or you're yeah. upset about the conditioning like nothing it was just you know what from the minute I did that round with Rory to the minute you're on this podcast everything has been a ride and I don't think a lot of people would have been able to just truly be okay with that and I think all of those miscuts that you call failures I'm the opposite because 99.9% of every golf professional just wants one of those failures, just, just one, but you look at it differently because you believe in yourself and you've put the time in. And as we said earlier, you've worked at it. So I'm going to blow the horn a little bit because I think it needs to be, but God bless you for really allowing a lot of us to take that ride. A, a lot of us will never feel it, but B more importantly, we now have a, 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 how do I say this? We almost have kind of a beacon. We're like, hey, just look at this. Like it's possible. And when it happens, enjoy it. Don't piss on it. Don't get mad at it. Don't try and change it. And whatever flows, flows, because you know what? They're never going to remember the shitty tweets or the shitty comments because nobody cares. That's just people being who they are in the world. And we all know negativity sells. So stay on the positive aspect of it. Teach the people underneath you, your kids, the assistants, man, if you put the sweat equity into it, any goddamn thing is possible. No, thanks, Derek. I appreciate it, man. No, it's been, it's, it's been a natural thing for me for sure, where it's just like, I'm a, I'm a pretty carefree guy and just in general. Right. And that's, I'm just trying to keep, keep it like that and, and trying not to act like my wife kept giving me crap because I used to in tour events, always act too, not me, too, you know, too stuffy, too <laughs> perfect. And too, I, I tried to be perfect on everything. I was no good. I was, my interviews were crap. My, everything I did was crap. My golf was crap. My interviews were crap. My, you know, everything. And so in the last year, two years, I've been just trying to just be me hanging out with you, you know, having a cigar and a cocktail. Let's time travel a little bit here because I'd really like to know who was instrumental in your introduction to the game of golf and sort of maybe talk about the early years and some of the development and and some of where you kind of saw the spark, like, hey, I'm a player, I can do this, I'm going to chase this a little bit and become a PGA professional and then pursue the playing side. Yeah, no, I uh, started in Iowa, uh, of all places. Um, my dad hey, had farm. a cut-down seven-iron. <laughs> a cut-down seven-iron um, in Iowa at a park next to a little part three course called Credit Island. Um, then we joined, uh, it's called Rock Island Arsenal Golf Club, which is an island in, in the middle of the Mississippi River. Um, it's crazy. In the Quad Cities, where they play the John Deere. Yeah, um, yeah but it's in between Davenport and uh, Bettendorf and all those. And it's a really cool spot. Uh, it used to be at least, I think it's not, not so much anymore, but, um, so then went from there and at that place, Hank Stukart was the pro and he had this sign it said golf pro parking only. And, um, I'll never forget it. And I, my parents, I loved it so much that my parents ended up getting me that sign. And so since I was maybe seven, eight years old, I had a golf pro parking sign above my bed throughout, throughout college. And, um, so I wanted to be a golf pro. I mean, it was a big thing for me. And I didn't care. The funny part about it was, and I, to this day, I never had that thing where I have to be on tour. I never had it where I'm going to be a tour pro. I'm going to be a touring pro. That was not how it was. I just wanted to be a golf professional. Like, that was my deal. I, I, it didn't matter what I was doing. I'm like, I, I like Hank Stukart. I looked up to Hank Stukart with his slick back hair and his tan. And I'm just like, oh, I want to be that guy. And I always had that sign as my goal. And, um, and, you know, the funny part is my kid, Dylan, he's had that sign above his bed uh, his whole life, the exact same sign. Um, and it's, it's it has a gravitational pull towards being a golf pro because that's what he wants to do too. So, um, but after that, after Iowa and went to St. Louis, I played tennis. My best friend played tennis. So I was playing a lot, ton of tennis in high school. I was on the varsity team all four years. Um, wasn't that great. I was like number one doubles team. I wasn't like top two singles or anything. Um, but I love tennis and I love staying in shape by doing it. My best friend played tennis. I played golf on the side on the weekends with my dad, you know, no matter what, even if I was up till two o'clock in the morning partying, I'd be in the car with my dad at 6am to play with the guys at seven o'clock, no matter what. I mean, no matter what the hangover was or anything, I was going. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to spend all that time with my pops doing that. And and learning how to gamble with his friends who are all, <laughs> you know, 30 years older than me, um, which they taught me really kind of the whole world of golf. Um, so it was really, really cool. Um, and then after that, I played my senior year of high school was the only year I played high school golf. They let me play both sports the spring year. 
um, which was awesome. And so, but I wasn't, you know, nobody wanted me going into college, golfing, like anything like that. So I said, Hey, you know what? I want to be in the business. I still know that. Uh, so I went to the PGM program at Mississippi state. I only had four, op four options back then. It was like New Mexico state, Ferris state, Penn state, and Mississippi state. And so not a lot of options like there are now, which now the, the options are ridiculous. Um, so I went to Mississippi state, absolutely hated it, hated it. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know what the Mason Dixon line was before I went there. Didn't like anything about it. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm like, I'm out. So I went to out to Vegas where my, my, my two best friends were out there going to UNLV. So I'm like, I'm going to Vegas. I went out there. That's not a good idea to be in Vegas uh, as a sophomore in college. You're 19, <laughs> yeah, you're 19 years old and your ID says you're 29. Gets expensive. Yeah, that didn't work out so well. So I came back after my sophomore year. I play in the St. Louis Amateur at Bogey Hills uh, Golf Club in St. Louis, and I win it out of nowhere. My dad caddied for me for the first – it's like a match play thing, right? You play 36 holes, get into match play. I played Jim Holt Breeve in one, one round, you know what I mean, just old school. Um, go to the final match. My dad caddies for me 18 holes, and then I get another caddy for 18 holes. I win it, and all of a sudden, the coach from University of Missouri-St. Louis says, hey, I want you on the team. So I went and played for University of Missouri-St. Louis. Um, after that, went to the San Diego Golf Academy, went out there in San Diego, fell in love with California. I, I finish at San Diego Golf Academy. Mike Clifford calls me, wants me to work, be his ninth assistant at the Lakes Country Club, and the rest is history uh, as far as me being a, a golf pro. God, it's just crazy. It's almost without the playing, it's like the exact same path I took from Minnesota, just like the really? same thing. Bounced around, went to went to regular college, ended up in San Diego, did the same thing, fell in love with it, knew I was coming back. And it was just like I went obviously to the quarry in 01. And it's it just there was no way I was ever returning home. But I have that same reverence in the professional. Like it's all like my little brother was a college all-American wasn't the best in my house. So I wasn't ever playing in anything, right? I couldn't win my house championship. So it didn't matter what I did. The rest of it, golf was just, it was a means to an end for me, but I wanted that, which you want to like, I'm the same way. I wanted the black cashmere sweater with the gray slacks and the white shoes. And I wanted somebody to walk in and say, Hey, that's our club professional. If you need something and and it's really weird because one of the things I really wanted to get into is I'm not, you know, me, I'm not the PGA guy. I love the PGA. I love that the letters are behind my name. But when you're in the private side, you're a little bit left alone. People think you've got it figured out. People think you're going to do what you do. You don't need any help. We don't want, we just want your golf course every two years for a PGA event section wise. And then we'll talk to you in two years. Right. But in my world, I think one of the things you do, because you guys turn and burn so much and you in Orange County are active, you have the best facility in that part of the world and it's not close. It's a great place to just hang. It's, you know, it's got, a, it's just a different vibe and I'm a big fan, but what I really want to talk about is the influence of the PGA into you is obviously very easy because of everything you've accomplished. Let's talk about your kids. Okay. We've got the SCGA amateur at Rolling Hills next week. I know Dylan's playing. You're very upfront on social media about watching the kids and the power and the training and the way they've committed themselves to the sport, but not only just the sport to themselves, right? I think that's a really cool way of parenting. And obviously your oldest is much more in the social as, as he's getting ready to, to be done with high school. But let's talk about the influences of what you're trying to do with both of the boys, what you hope golf brings them. And let's get a little bit of that. Obviously, the, the rest of the world won't be able to see your smile until we put it on socials. But when you talk about your kids, it's a different way of talking. And, and I'm still going to go back to this. I love when it's again, I'm going to bring up Brian Smock and what he does with Ty. I'm going to bring up what you do with your kids. Right. Like there's an influence of letting them be themselves, watching them grow become who they ever want to be when they want help you'll give it when they want to figure it out and struggle they'll do it on their own you're really good about that let's talk a little bit about the expectations of youth golf equipment what you think is coming up in the future and let's talk a little bit and let's brag about your kids a little bit i'll tell you what man what's coming up in golf is ridiculous as far as the athletes the athletes that are coming out are unbelievable man they're so much more athletic than any of us ever were it's insane um, and COVID's even helping even more. So I see all these, you know, baseball players and hockey players and football players, guys that should be on these sports that are, are now in love. They've dropped their sports after COVID and now they're based. I mean, so this COVID thing is going to hit here in another five, six, seven, eight years in the college ranks and the PGA tour. If you think they're long now, it's going to be, it's, and it's, and it's not because of the product. The product's not going to change that much. I don't think between now and then, but 
the the athleticism and the size and the 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 working out and the you know just everything that they do like my kids man they work out all the time i'm looking at them i sit in the garage watching these guys i'm going i never had that i never had that drive and everything they have it just comes natural for them and i don't force it on them or anything else like that but they're so into it it's just a whole nother level now and yeah uh golf's in, in great hands right now obviously you know covid blew it up um Golf course has been doing great the last couple of years, as as you guys know. Memberships are up, uh, initiations are up, yeah, everything's up. Our budget is up, and, um, so <laughs> it's it's insane. So, um, as far as my boys are concerned, I I have two different animals, right? I've got Ethan, who's this you know sweetheart of a human being, hardest working out cat I've ever met in my life. Um, wakes up at five o'clock, goes to the gym. So many times I go to sleep, he's working out. I wake up, he's at the gym working out on the golf specific side of it when I wake up. I mean, are you kidding me? And and he's, this morning he's slicing watermelons. I'm like, do you even like watermelons? He's like, no, I hate watermelons. But I read this thing where I'm going to be out there practicing hard in the in the sun, something, a refreshing, um, uh, you know, fruit or, is going to make me have more energy. I'm like, what? You know, I mean, stuff that's just beyond me. And then, and then, Derek, you haven't met Dylan yet, have you? You've never met him. Nope. Yeah, yeah. So Dylan, he's he's got more athleticism than than I, I would have ever, you know, than probably all the blocks that I've ever combined in history. And uh, but he's more of like just he, he's not as he's not as nice, he's not as sweet as he as Ethan. He's he's coming around, he's becoming more mature, but he's one that you kind of have to once he knows you, he's like really he's good. But yeah, he's he's a different cat, but he has the athleticism needs to work on his putting. Um, doesn't have his putting. Uh, if he could putt, it'd be super dangerous. But uh, it's kind of funny. So Dylan's actually um, caddied for me this earlier this year in the Farmers Insurance. He caddied for me last year at the Southern Hills at the PGA Championship when he was 16 years old. He was caddying for me in a major, which is pretty unbelievable. Um, and he's an amazing caddy, man. Oh my gosh! And but he doesn't think like that when he goes and plays, right? He, I mean, he's telling me, and he's like, "Dad, what are you doing? You know, this is where you, we're going to go short left. We got an uphill putt. We can't miss long right." And but when he goes in place, he's just looking at the target and just firing it. You know, um, it's a different animal. But uh, I'll, I'll be, it'll be fun to actually watch him up at your place at Rolling Hills and see how he attacks it um, when he's aggressive and when he can't be. But yeah, the the, the golf game in general is going to be uh, at a different level here very very quick. I mean, it's it's obviously happened. I, I've heard that the high schoolers and college the high the college guys are longer than the tour guys, and the high school guys are like almost longer than the you know the college guys. I mean, it's just it's just going up like that so quickly. But I've seen it in my own house that they're treating it with such respect, though, in a way that I was out partying a lot. I was out, like I said, having fun with two, you know my friends and whatever else. And these guys are different. My kid, like Dylan, like I was talking about him. You think he's a partier. Like you're going to meet him. You're going to be like, oh, that guy parties and whatever else. He's never been to a party in his life. He's never had a drink of alcohol in his life. Neither of them. Smoking, drinking, nothing. It's golf, working out. Maybe some girls too, but you know, you know, look, yeah, that's a different well, story. Well, and again, you know. It's like another I podcast. Said, right? USC's at our place. And I watch these kids and in what I thought was going to be kind of a robotic form on all of them. They're also individually different, but they all do the same thing. And that's they move the golf ball. And they're up early, they're at the gym, they're on the, the, the football strength and conditioning programs, they're at the club, they're working out, then they come back, and then they work, and then they got to go to school, then they work out again. And it's like, you just wonder really the, how they facilitate their day with very little time, and they get everything accomplished. And I think you're exactly right with COVID and what these new schools and the block system and all the things we're doing. These kids have the absolute opportunity to basically do whatever they want. And if they're truly in love with it, and then they take someone like you, who's got some great perks as a dad, obviously some of these professional athletes that one thing about Southern California at any golf club, there's going to be some professional athletes around. And if you can tap into that and the experience is we know Don trails on this all the time. It's like, and by the way, shout out to Don trail. Congrats to being Hall of yeah, Famer. Big congrats. That, that's an amazing thing. I'm going to be going to the, the induction with him. But that being said, it's like, these guys have all the time in the world. Now you start tapping into people that have been the best. And one of your closest friends is one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Like you start tapping all this, like you're creating monsters at that level of 15, 16, 17, you know, and it's like Ted O's daughter. I mean, she goes out and shoots eight deep at a 16 year old in the qualifier. I mean, like, come on. I mean, that's just a different world. Like 
it's just they're not scared of anything and they're they're you know 63 is no different than 67 it's just whatever ride they're on they're believing that the work they put in is worth the the results and i think that's a really special thing and as you said i think the game is in unbelievable hands but i think you're going to see a lot more guys looking like tiger and rory and a lot less looking like me and daily i just think that's the way they are going <laughs> yeah we're all getting a little more round as we uh as we age here unfortunately but uh yeah, you're absolutely right, Derek. It's crazy. I remember being at the U.S. Open recently, and uh, one of the one of the European kids—I can't remember his name. I don't know why, but I'm watching him hit these like, you know, different trajectory floaty three woods, and he's carrying 290, 295, and I'm going, "That's a three wood," and he's, you know, he's got all these flight shapes going, and I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Like, this is madness, man. These kids are just insane. But I mean a huge accreditation to your skill set. I mean, you're up there, you're competing with these guys. One thing we haven't talked about is the PGA championship. So give it to us. Talk to us about the experience, the hole in one, everything, you know, kind of that was that ecosystem for the week. Uh, my, my club here rented a, a beautiful house right on Lake Ontario for the week. And I brought out a whole crew. I had, I had my G, like I said, I had Jeff and Matt. I had a couple of my assistants I even had the kid that got me through the national championship in New Mexico two weeks prior. I brought him out because he did such a great job and got me into it. I brought him out just to hang. Cool. Um, so my caddy stayed with us, John Jackson. He's a full-time Pebble Beach caddy. He's great. I mean, so we had this whole crew every night. We went to the same brewery almost every night because they were treating us so well. It was awesome. And um, the people in Rochester were absolutely amazing, man. They, they gravitated towards me so quickly. It was unbelievable, man. They were just such block. It was like block party everywhere. And um, yeah, I shot 70. My whole goal was just to make the cut. And I figure if I make the cut, I'm probably going to be a low club pro. And I had those two big goals, right? And you probably heard them. Those are my two big things I need to do in my career. Good to go. Yeah. And I shot that 70. I had a great pairing with Taylor Pendrith and Hayden Buckley. The course set up nice for me. The, the fairways were flying. I mean, they were just rolling out for 50 60 yards the greens were perfect they were mint if you put the ball in line it was perfect i mean it was so good i just love the course the rough was really deep and it was a really hard course but uh, you know um so the next day i'm like you've got to make this cut you've got to make this cut and i kept on grinding and i was in second place with like six holes to go i think maybe five to six holes to go in my second round and I, and I kind of peaked and I saw I was in second. I was like, oh, no, I didn't want to see that. I did not want to see that. <sighs> and we had a front left pin on that par three, whatever it is, six or five. Front left pin, you got to just hoist it. I'm trying to hoist an eight iron. So I come underneath it, like I said before. I came way underneath. I'm trying to hit it high, hang back. I hit it off the hosel, almost killed two guys. Hits a tree that's on the other side of the fence. Comes back over, lands by the ladies' tee box, goes in the deep rough. And I make a great double bogey. And then the next hole is the hardest hole I've ever played in my life, number six. Water down. I mean, in the practice round, I hit it right down the pipe, 280 in the air, and it splashes. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, what's going on here? And I'm like, oh, I mean, you got to hit carry 300 to cover the water oh, unless you're down basically the left cut line. And so I go to that hole next. I'm like, do not implode. Do not let this happen. So now I'm one under. I went from second probably like 12th or something and uh i pipe driver down this left front where i needed it hit a four into 10 feet two putted it got my par out cruised in ninth hole was my final hole um the second round i hit this bunker shot from about God, 30 to 40 yard bunker shot to about two feet and i mean i'll never forget i was, I was in that bunker shot i'm like do not send this 80 yards over the crowd out of bounds and just become a disaster right you know how golf is, right? You got the devil over here and you got you know, this guy over here is trying to, you know, you're, they're fighting in your head and, oh. So I, I clip it, goes to two feet uphill, tap it in. And that's where I raised, I had this orange sweater and I raised my arms. I'm just like, I did it. I did it. And I knew no one else was going to make the cut. So I, I, I had two goals like that. And so I really feel like that really freed me up going into the weekend. Um, you know, I'm doing all these interviews and they're like, dude, you're with Justin Rose. And I'm like, dude, I look up at Justin Rose. We're like similar age and I, I've known him forever, or not known him, but I've known of him forever, a big fan. And he was just an absolute rock star for me um, out there. Talked to me, treated me great. We've talked family the whole time. Unbelievable. 
somehow it's pouring rain that day. My putter's just on fire. I, I'm not getting any roll. So I'm having a lot more clubbing in every hole. I'm, I'm like grinding out pars from everywhere and somehow shoot another 70. I don't even know how. Well, I know how the putter, it was the putter. And, um, and then all of a sudden I'm paired with Rory on eight, you know, going into the final round. Um, and you saw that interview where, you know, they go, Oh, by the way, you're paired with Rory. And I turn around and I was like, you gotta be kidding me right now. I thought that the interview was done. I mean, it was like doing the interview and we were done and this, and the gentleman's still just talking to me and he goes, Oh yeah, by the way, I just heard that you're paired. With, and that's why I, I didn't know if I was, I was on camera at that point. And that's why I just walked away. I, turn, I do a circle and I walk <laughs> away because the, the interview was over. And um, I'm just like, of course it is. And that's honestly how my last two months have been. I'm like, of course I am. You know, I'm in eighth place right now. And out of the hundred, you know, no, I'm sorry, out of the maybe 72 guys that made the cut, of course, I'm paired with the one guy that if you said, hey, Blocky, pick out who you'd want to play with tomorrow, pick one out. I would have been Rory. Yeah. And it, and it, it was Rory. It was like winning the lotto over and over and over and over. And um, he was unbelievable. I didn't watch him hit a shot for the first six shots. I didn't watch. I didn't want to see his ball flight. I didn't want to see how far he hits it. I didn't want to see anything. Um, I just looked at his feet while he hit. We would talk. He was cool. Harry is caddy was awesome. Um, somehow, uh, you know, I ground out that front, you know, at two over, I was doing the walk and talks, which was unbelievable with SVP. Yeah, that was cool. Hands. I mean, the walk and talks were amazing. Um, just getting back just a little bit. I think I did it the first or second day. And I think the first round I did it. Yeah, it was the first round. And they, they came up to me, the random club run. They're like, Hey, will you do a walk and talk with SVP on 14? I'm going, Holy, they want me to do a walk and talk. And I'm like, crap, it's on 14. I'm like, can I do it like on four? I might still want to be like one or two or three over and not being so embarrassed here. And uh, so my whole goal was to get to 14 at like a re reasonable number, like five over or less. And I got to it at even. I was just like so happy talking to him. And um, and then the next day or the two days later, like, hey, we do another one with Jim Nance. I'm just like, Pfft. I'm like, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll do a walk and talk with Jim Nance. I mean, are you kidding me? I said, you guys can put that thing on me for all 18 holes. Like, I, I, I love it. Like, I could literally have you guys in the pocket all 18. I would just love the whole thing. Um, so getting into Sunday, I, uh, I, I had some good, great breaks again. Uh, a lot of great breaks. Uh, and I was still putting pretty well. Uh, not as good. That I was definitely tighter on Sunday, for sure. You know, on the putting green, the final on Sunday before I went out, I wasn't making all the putts like I was making the other days. I could tell my grip was a little tighter than normal. And that's a huge thing for me uh, because that causes my tempo to be off and my transition to be off. And I get a little quick and I don't quite roll it as well. Uh, I don't catch my lines, um, but getting to it, I'm two over, I'm going into 15. I just missed a six footer for birdie on the previous hole. So I was a little, little pissed and uh, Rory goes, he misses the green to the right. And I'm just, dude, that green was super narrow and you're dead on either side if you miss it. I'm just like, just hit the green. It was a seven iron from 152 into a breeze. And the breeze was up and like pretty st stiff. And I needed it down just a little bit. And all of a sudden it went down. And I did like kind of a quick, I, I, I go, John, it's now. And I literally could get up and I do it pretty quick. I'm quick anyways, but I did it really fast. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I am going to hit the green. This is great. And I can't see it. And the thing that happened was, and the reason I didn't know it went in is that the crowd after Rory goes and I stand up on the tee box, they all give me a standing ovation before I even hit. And so all of a sudden they give me another standing ovation and I'm just like going, okay, cool. Hey, I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and then Rory turns around. He's like, blah. He's like, you know, you can hear him in the video. He's like, oh my God. Oh my God. He's like, he couldn't believe it. And uh, I'm like, what? He goes, it's in the hole. I'm like, no way. I'm like, no, no way, bro. I go, there's no freaking way that's in the hole. And I'm walking down, I'm talking to every single volunteer and every guy going, is it really? And I'm like, no chance. And I really, until I got up on there and I looked, I saw the front of the hole was blown out. I mean, it was the, the funny part was to Corbridge, <laughs> who was a big sponsor of the 20 PJ professionals out there. I met with them earlier that day because they wanted to do something further with me even before that final round. And they had told me that they're on 15. And I told them I was going to oh, try to hit wow. a good shot for them. Huge. And, um, it was the hospitality tents. We're all right there. And uh, yeah, I mean, the most crazy shot I've ever hit in my life, hands down. I've never had a hole in one in a tournament in my entire life. And I've played 
millions, I mean, thousands of tournaments. And for it to happen on Sunday with Rory under those circumstances and for it to fly in the hole uh, was insane. Um, but like a lot of people say, they actually like the, I mean, I get so many people tell me that they think the shot on 18, the up and down on 18 was actually maybe even cooler than the yeah. uh, hole in one on, uh, on, on 15. Dude, how do you tee off on the next hole? Yeah. Like, I mean, how do you even grip the club? You must have been just on well, fire, literally. So the hole was blown out. So it took like five to 10 minutes for them to fix it. So I'm just standing on that green. The crowd's going nuts still. And that's why I put one on it. I'm like showing everybody. I mean, I just got to sit there literally. And it's like you got to hit a home run or grand slam to win the game. And then you just get to go sit in the middle on the second base and just, you know, take it all in. It was just such a cool deal, the whole thing. Um, yeah, the next hole I made kind of a bad bogey. I hit a decent drive, but it went in the rough and I tried to get too aggressive, uh, went long, bad, bad spot, made a decent bogey, honestly. And then from on 17, I was 120 out. I had, to, I had my drive in the rough on 17, hardest driving hole I've ever seen in my life. Hit, hit it out to 120 to a really good number for me, hit a gap wedge to like eight feet. And I made that it just barely lips in on the left side on 17 for par. And then on 18, block it right into the rough or not not quite just barely into the rough and uh trying to punch cut a three wood up around anywhere up by the green it goes dead straight there's a huge crowd over there i mean it's just bulleting three wood right at these people i'm just like oh my god i'm like <laughs> i'm gonna kill somebody dude and uh this is gonna ruin my week like my week's over now i i get up there nobody's laying on the ground which is cool um <laughs> i get up there and yeah the shot was brutal there's a bunker there there's a slope you can't even sleep. And there's a tier. There's a tier just like five feet right of that pin that goes down to the bottom. So I was aiming just left. I was into the green, but it was trampled down. I was trying to hit it on the green and trickle it just by to the left, have maybe a five to 10 footer up high on the high side. But because it's into the green, it come out, you know, just a little dead, lands in the rough, trickles out short. And then I just missed it on, I made it on the left edge on 17 and there on right, you know, I missed it short for sure on 18. And I mean, you saw it almost stops and then someone, someone kicks it in, it goes in the hole and yeah. And then Rory, you know, gives me a big hug. And I mean, literally I get a gigantic hug from Rory. Two minutes later, I'm walking off. Brooksy comes up or no, I go in, I score and I come back. Brooksy gives me a big hug and says, you're buying drinks tonight, buddy. And uh, I mean, I'm just going, what is going on here? You know? <laughs> Wild. Well, it was crazy. I, I took members. I was at Congaree for the weekend and there was a little bit of drizzle. There were four different groups that literally said, oh, let's let's watch this kid. Let's watch this guy. Let's watch this golf. Like, I I mean, it's back like it's Ryder Cup shit or it's it's like yeah. hey, Jason Tiger at Torrey or when he was like people were so into it. And again, golfers are, are they're a different breed by nature. But when there's a story like they're convicted, they're in and it, it was something and that bar was it was one of the really neat experiences is everybody was just like it was OK that it was raining it was a major Sunday and it was fun to talk about. And then once they realized that we we're from California and it's like, you know, it's just like, hey, do you? And it's like, I obviously I didn't I'm not going to get in with people, but it's like it was just really cool from this side of it to have the conversations like, yeah, it's he's about 50 miles away in this. But everybody stopped. And I. I think one of the special things why we really want to do is the pod is I really a wanted people to realize who you really are because I think that's going to come out huge and I think it's going to make a lot more of the the story content make sense and, and number two it's because I want to celebrate the absolute ride like I want people to understand when the dice are hot keep rolling have a blast with it like this shit is short yeah. and I think you've handled it beautifully and I think that's the thing I love the most it's like until you crap out, man, keep throwing just for the hard way. Let's go. Who cares what it comes out, right? And and I think so many of us, especially in this game, get caught up in conservative thought process. And as you said, we fight the demons and we take more fun out of a game than anybody in the history of any game. And I think you put a lot of that back in and, and kudos to you. And thanks for coming on tonight, because I think that part where people get a little context of what it is you actually believe in and how much you've worked your ass off and how many events you've actually played in. I think there's, there's a huge payoff to that. And I think that Sunday was a huge payoff of all of the due and the dues you've paid and the sweat you've had. So congrats to that, man. I hope this ride never ends for you. Hey, no, thanks, Derek. I appreciate you and appreciate you guys, you guys having me on. And yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep being me, you know, and uh, I, I'm sure me will screw up more and me will <laughs> maybe do better in some things too. Uh, Whatever me does is I'm just going to go with it and uh, enjoy the ride and 
hopefully I take a whole bunch of uh, fun people with me and the, the haters and all those other people, they can go, you know, wherever they can go. Appreciate and uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. If yep. uh, Rolling Hills, right? Yep. I'll see you. I'll be there all four days. All right, brother. I appreciate you. All right. Cheers. Thank you very much. Lockie, before we let you off the hook, shout out your socials. Where can people find you right now? Just so, uh, you know, we can grow that account for you. Cause I know yeah, it's no, block- pretty small. <laughs> yeah. Blocky golf, blocky golf. That's it. Instagram. I think Facebook, whatever else. That's what I got at this point. Um, awesome. But yeah, no, come follow me. Uh, come along for the ride. I don't know how much longer it can be this insane, but I mean, I keep on getting texts on a daily basis that uh, I never thought would happen. So we'll see how long it can go. Keep killing it, man. Love the story. Love, love to follow you and uh, continued success in, in 2023 and beyond. It's been a pleasure I, to have you on the show. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. Care.